Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matterface and Talk Sports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook in another massive weekend in the Premier League. And we're here to look back on it all. This is what's coming up on the show. I think from a Liverpool perspective, they will be disappointed with the forward players. Salah wasn't at his best. I'm not sure he's been at his best for many games this season. The key point now from a United perspective is this can't be another false dawn. It didn't look like a dressing room who aren't playing for their manager. I don't think it's as good as you're making out. I think Liverpool were under par and you were just not as under par as you have been. Those moments just before the second goal were quite nervy. And it was getting to the point where there was a bit of tension creeping into the Emirates. But they dealt with it. And I suppose that, that in itself is a sign of a team that, you know, have got good character and resilience. Yeah, you still worry about them in terms of killing games off because there have been a few matches like that this season where they've sort of been hanging on at the end when they shouldn't. How they let a two-goal lead slip against the team, let's be completely clear, don't really have much goal-scoring power. No, it was incredible. The, the Palace have gone there yet again and and given Manchester City a real headache. I don't think City are going to win the league this season. Hello and welcome. And before we go any further, the first thing we must do is give our best wishes to Tom Lockyer at Luton Town and everybody affected by the events that happened on Saturday. You may or may not know that in the 65th minute of that game down at the Vitality Stadium, Bournemouth drawing 1-1 with Luton, Tom collapsed. He had a cardiac arrest. He's now stable in hospital and ongoing, undergoing further tests. And uh, look, it was a traumatic experience for everybody who was involved in that particular event. And we do wish him the very best and his family as well, who are, are with him at this moment in time by his side. Uh, and they've asked for privacy. So I think it's only fair that we respect that. They don't want to run in commentary on it, you know, the next stage of of his rehabilitation, et cetera, et cetera. So we're just going to step back from it and leave it there and just wish him all the very best. Um, welcome to uh, welcome to Manchester. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. You delighted to be here. I am always delighted to be with you on your sofa, which is a lot smaller than last time I was here you, because you, you broke the old one, didn't you? You said it was too big, the old one, and you didn't like it, so you wanted to be a little bit cuddlier. This is this is quite cozy, isn't it? Yeah. Don't, don't, snuggle up for everyone. Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you were saying the other day. Uh, right. Okay. Um, also, uh, not what you were saying today when we went to Anfield. We went off to uh, Anfield to watch that. Huge match between Liverpool and Manchester United. And Crookie was so scared to be in <laughs> Liverpool because he was worried that Liverpool fans were going to hate him because he's a self-confessed Manchester United fan. He's all over the to- talk sport uh, social media. He wouldn't go to the toilet. <laughs> Is that a true story or a true story? No, I didn't need the toilet. It was a true story. You didn't... said you were too scared. 
<laughs> Listen, it was uh, it was a hostile atmosphere, although <laughs> although not 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 as hostile as as I expected to be honest. But um, yeah, well, I mean, we're going to talk about it in detail. But a terrific point for Manchester United. Listen, Liverpool had more than enough of the game to win it, but they couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. No, they couldn't. And uh, there was a couple of missed opportunities at the other end as well, which I'm sure we'll get into over the next uh, few minutes. Listen, it wasn't the best game. There's no doubt about that. But it was the biggest one. Let's get stuck into it. We will talk about Arsenal uh, being top of the table very shortly. We're going to start with Liverpool, though, because they missed the opportunity uh, to go top of the table. Nil-nil with Manchester United. 69% possession, 34 shots, 8 on target, 12 corners. Manchester United with six shots, just the one on target from Rasmus Hoyland, which he probably should have scored, and zero corners in the game. Um, yeah, and many people believe that this was a game that could put a glass eye to sleep. I think it was just it had it had a bit more of a pulse in the second half than that, but it it wasn't what we were expecting in any way, shape, or form. No, because I think most of us were expecting a, a big Liverpool victory, and the way they started the game, that first five or six minutes, where they forced three corners in the first four minutes of the game, they really tapped into the atmosphere of the crowd after they sung You'll Never Walk Alone. But after that, yes, they had a lot of corners. Yes, they had a lot of possession. But actually, how many saves did Anana really have to make? There was the one from Van Dyke that he tipped over the bar in the first half. Trent Alexander-Arnold may be a bit unlucky with a chance that he couldn't convert. But I think it was, it was, a, it was a day where Manchester United dug in and we haven't seen too many of those this season. Yes, Are you happy with that? And that, and that style of play. Was it so necessary at this stage just to go there and ensure they didn't get one hell of a beating, that they had to they had to perform in that manner with very little ambition? I, I think it wasn't. And listen, I've been getting a bit of a stick from non-Manchester United fans saying, well, is this really what United have, have fallen to? <laughs> well, well, yes, it is over the course of this season, but not, not actually just the course of this season. They've only won three now of their last 18 trips to Anfield. They got hit for seven last season. Liverpool, one defeat in 50 home Premier League games. So I think actually anybody who comes away from Anfield with a point this season, however you get there, is going to be pretty happy. Obviously, I had the absentees, no Bruno Fernandes, no Harry Maguire, who'd have thought that would be an issue at the start of the season. But I thought Varane and Evans did very well at the heart of defence. I was raving about young Kobe Mainu. You, you thought I was getting a bit over the top well, you, with you my praise say, for him. You said he was sensational. And I thought, you know, OK, he's had a very good game. He's played well and he's adapted actually to a hostile, hostile environment. It wasn't as it wasn't usual Anfield hostile environment, but it was it was definitely you know a difficult situation for him to step up into. But I thought the word of sensational was a bit overblown because it's not as if he like, created twelve opportunities and, and he walked away with a match ball. But sensational is someone who's you know scored a hat trick. Well, there's different ways to be sensational. And, you know, it was a big occasion. It, it's, Your standards have slipped. It, it's, they have slipped. Of course they have. <laughs> Absolutely. Manchester United standards have slipped. But the, the, the key point now from a United perspective is this can't be another false dawn. You know, they've given themselves a platform now. They've got a difficult game live on TalkSport against West Ham next weekend. They can't go to Anfield and play with that commitment and determination and get a point and then go to West Ham and revert to type. They need to start putting together consistently good performances. It wasn't a great performance, but I thought they defended well. From Liverpool's perspective, Jurgen Klopp wasn't too unhappy when I spoke to him afterwards. He felt they created enough chances to win the game. They probably did. I did see an interesting confrontation in the tunnel between Virgil van Dijk and Andre Anana. And obviously van Dijk has been hammered by Roy Keane for his comments on television. 
But he was not happy. He said to Inanna, thanks to you, we only played half an hour's football. Well, listen, there's different ways to skin a cat. And Inanna just smiled at him. I think he'd be surprised that Van Dyke was so affronted by Manchester United's tactics. But I sort of agree with Roy Keane on that one. Stop moaning. Well, basically, Roy Keane's premise of his argument was, you know, sometimes teams have to go in and behave in a different way. There was a lot of times when he would go to Old Trafford and Liverpool would dig in and stop them from trying to play. And it would be Manchester United's responsibility to go there and and try and break them down, or vice versa at Old Trafford. So, you know, be careful because sometime that one day soon that might happen to you. Um, He was a bit angry about it because he felt that he was being a little bit disrespectful. I thought he was just exasperated because I think not only was disappointed Van Dyke with the overall performance of, of, from Liverpool because it was a bit, it was a bit, bleh, wasn't it? It was, yeah. it, it was lethargic. It wasn't. There was no real crispness to it, and I was expecting a little bit more, especially after the first fifteen minutes when I thought they blitzed United. You know, and if they'd scored in that first fifteen minutes, I believe they would have gone on one yeah. well. But. I think he was disappointed with his forwards' performances. I think that's what frustrated him. And he said, it's easy for me to sit there at the back and watch these things happen. So he was sort of making a commentary on his own team as well. So it wasn't just Manchester United. I think he probably had more shots on target than any other Liverpool player. He had their best chance. Yeah, he did with that header. And it was another one that he put into the keeper's arms in the second half. I think from a Liverpool perspective, they will be disappointed with the forward players. Salah wasn't at his best. I'm not sure he's been at his best for many games this season. Nunez, Scott Minto, obviously chief cheerleader for him. I thought the game passed him by. I thought his touch was poor. Diaz, probably the pick of the three, but he got taken off as well. And then there's Trent Alexander-Arnold, who we're talking about as potentially being a key part of England's midfield come the European yeah. Championships. I thought his final ball, his distribution was wanting. I just got a text message. I got a text message here. Scott Minto, it says... Um, how many goals has Nicholas Jackson scored in the Premier League <laughs> and how many goals has Rasmus Hoyland scored? It's becoming a problem. You know, and Ten Hag said it will come. That was a massive opportunity and it would have been a perfect away performance had he have scored, but he didn't hit the ball with any conviction. He didn't look like he backed himself to score the goal. It should have been laces through it, try and take the back of the net off. He hit it straight at the goalkeeper and you won't get many better chances it's, to open your account than it that. It is strange, because you have given quite a lot of stick to Nicholas Jackson and Darwin Nunez, and they have scored more goals than Rasmus Hoyland. He's got five and six in the Champions League, by the way, so he, he hasn't been barren. But in the Premier League, for whatever reason, it hasn't worked for him, which is a little bit of a concern, really, because if you actually look at the Manchester United attack, and the Anthony, Hoyland, Rashford... Uh, you Garnacho. know, Garnacho. If you look at them over the course of the season, add all their goals together in the Premier League, they've got three, and Kai Havertz has got four. <laughs> and you've been having a go at him as well. You, so, you love that stat. So everyone that you've been having a go at has got more goals than the people that you've been defending with your life. It's a problem because defensively they did their job today. <laughs> For them. But it's a problem because defensively they did their job. They tried to hit on the counter, much like they did at Arsenal, actually, early in the season. But that's what they but are. But again, they missed chances there. That's what they are. That's so is that the difference did. this season to last? Last season, Marcus Rashford was scoring goals Maybe. for fun on the counter? Yeah. Maybe. But listen, I, I think this is something that we sort of argue about. I think you give too much stick to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But he recognised really early, there's, they're not that good. So the best way of them to play, actually, and they're most suited to, is to play on the counter-attack. And they were really effective in really big games against Manchester City in games against Liverpool and against, you know, PSG, for example, they like to play on the counter-attack. That is their that is their natural style now, for mm. whatever reason. I know Manchester United fans want them to go back to that traditional 
wingers, front foot attack, 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 attack. But actually, inherent in the group is, is a counter-attacking style, which actually suits them better. And actually, you saw today that that, again, was the best, the, 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 probably the recipe to get the best out of them. I thought they used the ball better today when, when they had possession. Obviously, that wasn't very often because Liverpool dominated that stat. But they did play their way out from the back. And Nana did that very well. You, you were saying he's, he's going to get caught. He only has to get caught once and they'll score. Yeah, well, I was worried about it because he was getting shut down quickly, wasn't he? And Nunes seemed to have a bit between his teeth in the first five minutes. Mm. But, he, but he did well today, Nana, much to Van Dijk's frustration. He saved the, the shots that came his way and his distribution was excellent. They got it out wide. I thought Anthony used the ball quite well at times. So did Ganacho. So maybe it's coming together. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. We should probably move on because there wasn't the only game on Sunday. In fact, actually Arsenal weren't at their very best, but they beat Brighton by two goals to nil. Uh, they end the weekend as a result, top of the Premier League after beating Brighton. They made hard work of it, really. 26 shots, and there was five minutes between a big Pascal Gross chance and Havertz wrapping up the game. It could have been very different, actually. And if it had finished 1-1, I think you know, I think Perry was saying, and he was uh, down at the Emirates Stadium, he was saying, look, those moments just before the second goal were quite nervy, and it was getting to the point where there was a bit of tension creeping into the Emirates. But they dealt with it, and I suppose that, that in itself is a sign of a team that, you know, have got good character and resilience. Yeah, you still worry about them in terms of killing games off because there have been a few matches like that this season where they've sort of been hanging on at the end when they shouldn't really be hanging on. It would have been totally against a run of play. Had Brighton taken that one big chance, it came their way. Roberto De Zerbi admitted afterwards that they were far from at their best. But Arsenal have got themselves into a position now. They're top of the table. They've taken advantage of the fact that Manchester City are slipping up now on a quite a frequent basis. And, and you still feel there's more to come. You still don't necessarily have confidence in their strikers that they're going to take the chance to come their way. Maybe they'll look to address that in January, but it's not a bad conundrum, is it, for Mikel Arteta? We've not been brilliant. And here we are at the top of the table. We're almost halfway through the season. And great that Havers actually has started to put some goals uh, in on a regular basis, actually. I think that's his fourth goal in his last six or seven games. And that's a good return for someone who everyone was criticising at the beginning of the season. They didn't really know where he fitted in. Uh, to the team, but he seems to have sort of found his value 
for them now, and he's scored a couple of really key goals for them in recent weeks. Um, it sets up this brilliant game next weekend at 5.30, doesn't it? Because yeah. he's like, yeah, I don't know if you... When I was a kid, I used to really care about Christmas number one, who was the, who was top of the charts on Christmas Day. You know, I'd sit there with the radio on the Sunday because I knew that you, you know, everybody else found out at top of the pops on a... On a sat, uh, on the Christmas day, You're showing your age. Whereas I like to listen to the radio three days before they gave it away. It was brilliant. Um, I used to tape it and all that kind of stuff. And this is a chance to be Christmas number one. Liverpool against Arsenal. Who gets it? Not sure that Arsenal will win the game, but I think they're capable of going there and getting a point. So therefore, the answer would be Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if that was the case. Uh, right, let's get to uh, Saturday's games and start at the Etihad Stadium. Because there was late drama in this one. And talking about not seeing out games and looking a little bit wobbly towards the end, Manchester City have won one of their last six Premier League matches. Manchester City 2, Crystal Palace 2, Saturday afternoon. Late penalty given against Phil Foden. We've got no complaints with this penalty, right? I mean, because <laughs> no. Pep Guardiola did have a complaint about it initially. And then I think he sort of must have seen the replay. And then by the time he got to the interviews, he was like, look, there's, there's nothing wrong with this penalty. This is a penalty. But it's another disappointment for him and his men. How they let a two-goal lead slip against the team, let's be completely clear, don't really have much goal-scoring power. No, it was incredible. The, the Palace have gone there yet again and, and given Manchester City a real headache. I think one of the endearing images of the season so far was a, a veteran, Roy Hodgson, who obviously has come under a lot of scrutiny in recent weeks laughing at Pep Guardiola and his antics on the touchline. That's the, the sign of someone who definitely isn't ready to call it a day just yet. And his team didn't call it a day, did they? They could have wilted. Um, City should have been out of sight. They weren't. And actually, Palace capitalised on a couple of pieces of really poor defending both goals. I think City will be disappointed with. But they've just lost that bit of ruthlessness, City, this season. And I do wonder, and we mentioned it last week, is it because they're treble winners and maybe they've just lost a bit of intensity is it the makeup of the midfield? Are they missing Kevin De Bruyne? Obviously, they wanted to sign Lucas Paquetar. We'll probably talk about him later. I think he would have been a great addition. I'm not sure that Nunez is is anywhere near his level, to be honest. And they haven't really replaced Gundogan. So, I think this is a huge opportunity for the likes of Liverpool and Arsenal to really take advantage. I don't think City are going to win the league this season. Yeah, I can see why you say that. They would need a good run at the end of the season, but they're pretty good at doing that. I'll keep my powder dry for now. But, you know, I've said to you, I think Liverpool are the value bet. And I still believe that, even though they've been disappointed today. Um, understandably, Pep was fuming with his team. 75% possession, 19 shots, nine on target. It doesn't reflect. And you don't get anything. And, you know, it's one of the things that actually Roy Keane was saying in the game, um, after the game between Liverpool and Manchester United, you don't get anything for shots on target. You don't get anything for possession. You get things for goals. And one of the things that Roy Hodgson said in the aftermath of this game, which I thought was really interesting, was is that patience sometimes is a real virtue. And you know that they're going to have loads of chances. You know they're going to be on top of you. And if you open up the game early, they're going to murder you. But then if you keep it tight and really tight, then you can decide... When to press go. We'll go for it now because we've got nothing to lose. And he said the fact that they got the goal back actually allowed them... I thought it was a big mistake by Diaz, by the way. Mm. That uh, goal that they got back, I think, you know, just got slightly caught out quite, you know, didn't really know where Mateta was. And then I, it gives you the opportunity to have a real go really late in the game. And they did that. And 
obviously then won the penalty. Great penalty from Elise under that pressure away from home against the champions of Europe, right in the corner. And uh, as we mentioned, you know, they've got a history haven't they, when it comes to, to disrupting Manchester City. And that'll just buy Roy Hodgson a little bit of time because I think he was under some, some pressure. But yeah. again, it's proved the players are with him. What about Jack Grealish? Because uh, he's been under a little bit of scrutiny, hasn't he, early in the season because of the arrival of Jeremy Doku. But he's actually produced quite a few uh, little uh, cameos of, of importance. We had to wait until the 3rd of December for his first goal of the season. But since then, he's got on the score sheet in three consecutive Premier League games for the first time in his career. Yeah, and he'll be pleased with that. As you say, it's been, uh, it's been difficult for him on the back of that treble win. Doku coming in, fresh face, hungry player, you know, and someone who settled really quickly to the Premier League. So I don't think it's necessarily been to the fact Grealish is out of form that he's lost his place in the team. It's because Doku has done so well. But I think he was one of City's better players, Grealish, um, uh, the weekend. Foden played well as well. It was the defensive mistakes that cost them. And I do worry about that back line. We've spoken about it, the reliance on John Stones. For me, the fact that Guardiola is still not looking like a £90 million footballer at this moment in time. But their recruitment's been a little bit suspect this year. Mm. Kovacic hasn't been perfect. He might come good for them. Matthias Nunez is, is not Ilkay Gundogan. Um, and you mentioned their Josko Gvardiol, as good as he is, he's not really a left-back, no. is he? I mean, that, that's the other thing. There's a little bit of imbalance there. And they seem to have been operating for a couple of seasons now without a, a specialist left-back, which is, is a slightly weird sort of thing blind spot to have for Pep Guardiola and his recruitment team, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if Scott Minto was here, he'd tell us how important <laughs> fullbacks are. But they are in the modern game, actually. They're more important now um, than when Scott himself was playing. And I think, yeah, Guardiola just doesn't really have the the makeup of a, a modern-day fullback, certainly not in a, a league as testing as this one. Stand innovation around the ground here at the Vitality as Tom Locke here is stretched off the pitch. Uh, the game has been suspended. Uh, our love and broadcast On his right foot, Kulusevski shot. Kulusevski scores. Calm as you like. And it's another error from Forrest. Gimaraes lofts it to the far post. Dan Byrne at the second attempt has forced it home for 3-0. And Elise stutters and drops the ball into the bottom left corner. And those Crystal Palace fans have gone absolutely wild in the away section. It is Manchester City 2, Crystal Palace 2. Chelsea 2, Sheffield United 0. Nicholas Jackson is the man who scored it. And Sean Dyche on his return to Turf Moor has an evening to remember. Burnley nil, Everton 2. And the comeback is complete for Aston Villa. Watkins the goal scorer. Arsenal 2, Brighton nil. game set and match and it's Kai Havertz. Jared Bowen's so confident at the moment and he gets West Ham United's third goal. Well, who saw this coming? Liverpool nil, 10-man Manchester United nil. Right, OK, shall we uh, talk a little bit about Newcastle United? 3-0 winners over Fulham. Newcastle weren't perfect in this game and actually it took a little while to get going and Fulham were OK until the ridiculous decision from Raul Jimenez, who I think was furious with Jamal Lascelles. He felt he'd been elbowed and that should have been a sending off. That was one of those where you just think, mm, it could have been, couldn't have been. But the sending off itself where Jimenez jumps into long stuff, stupid, what is he doing? Well, he's let his team down. 
um, and he's let his manager down, which is why I was so surprised with Marco Silva's comments about the referee. He seemed to think that the referee made the right decision, the VAR made the wrong decision. But the referee called it wrong, right? Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I think Jimenez is het up because he feels he's been whacked in the face and maybe there wasn't enough punishment dished out to Lascelles. But you can't go seeking retribution, especially as you're not even seeking retribution against the player who's done you. You've gone with one of his teammates. He's ridiculously high off the ground. I think he almost changes his mind mid-flight, and that's why the contact perhaps isn't as forceful as it could have been. But it's still a red card offence. You know how difficult it is as well, don't you, to change your mind yeah. mid-flight? Yeah, because, especially when you're a big guy. Yeah, because you were trying to get over a fence earlier <laughs> in the Utting Avenue car park in Liverpool, and you decided, because there's, there's two ways to go with this. There's a, there's a little fence that that sort of blocks the entrance to the car park. And as a pedestrian, you have to go either over or under. I tried both. You went over, first of all, yeah. and changed your mind mid-flight. And it was difficult for you to adjust, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. One so of those moments where I really wished my camera worked a lot faster. And then you tried to film me on the way back, but I got under, yeah, and it, under. it wasn't It wasn't quite as good a video. It wasn't, wasn't graceful, though, was it? I mean, it was no, no. limbo. And, but Jimenez's <laughs> challenge wasn't graceful <laughs> either. And it's changed the course of the game. I actually fancied Fulham... To, to come away with at least a point from St. James's Park, Newcastle, uh, on the back of that Champions League defeat. But once he gets sent off, there's only one winner, and Eddie Howe was very grateful, I'm sure, that he, he did that to himself. You skirted over that, uh, jumping over the, uh, the fence, but you did rip your trousers, didn't you? You popped a couple of stitches. You <laughs> said to me, it's just not true, is it? <laughs> you, you, you said to me, I think I've popped a couple of stitches in there. <laughs> Actually, you've just left the I wasn't talking well. about my trousers. Is it those stitches that you popped? <laughs> oh, crikey. And I'm sitting this close to you. Now you could be bleeding everywhere. Anyway, uh, Lewis Miley got uh, his first goal for the club as well. Delighted. 17 years of age. He's actually been terrific since he came in to the, uh, the group. He's played very, very well. I know that in pre-season, the manager really wanted to include him because he'd done so well on the pre-season tour. He got a bout of glandular fever, I think. Nasty. And as a result didn't get to get into the team as quickly as maybe he might have done. He's been superb and he's a local lad and him, Dan Burr, long staff being part of that group, I think just adds to the sort of narrative that Newcastle are building up. Bruno Gamarez was brilliant in the post-match interviews. Those sort of the two of them were talking. He goes, I can't believe he's 17. I can't believe he's 17. <laughs> Said it two or three times, didn't he? I can't believe he's 17. He is 17, Bruno, uh, just so you know. And they needed that boost after what could have been a dispiriting reaction to going out of the Champions League. Yeah, I, I think they'll look back with regret on that. Obviously, it was a difficult group, but you look at that Milan game, maybe not necessarily in terms of going out of the Champions League, but to go out of Europe altogether, I think they had an opportunity to get at least a point from that game. I think maybe they're a bit too gung-ho but when they were looking for a goal after Milan had equalised, but actually the onus would have been on Milan to come out on the attack as, as the game wore on. But maybe there's a bit of naivety there that they'll learn from that. It's a brilliant way to bounce back and they continue their tremendous home form in the Premier League. And they're just about on the coattails of the top four. I don't think they'll do it this season, but they're going to have a good go. Uh, you say that, but maybe if I was a Newcastle supporter or I was Eddie Howe or Jason Tindall, I'd be pointing to the fact that we, we'd gone to Paris, we'd basically beat yeah. PSG and someone gave a spurious penalty, which has robbed us a place not only uh, in Europe, but in the Champions League knockout stages themselves. So, you know, I think it's... Uh, we can have a go at them for their performances. I don't think they were very good against Dortmund in either leg, actually. They were no. low par in both of those. But largely, I think they've done enough to be able to play in the, the, the second half of the season in the Europa League. But it wasn't to be 
for them. There was also a welcome clean sheet for Eddie Howe's men, which is is not something that's come as often as it might. But at home, they are just a very different animal. And they've got some interesting fixtures coming up. I'll be doing their game. They've got, they're at home to Nottingham Forest on Boxing Day. And then I'll be doing their game on New Year's Day when they go to Liverpool. So the, and Liverpool themselves, you know, we talked about whether or not they can be title challengers. It's a defining period now because they've got Arsenal and Newcastle in quick succession and they go away to Burnley in between. And a cup quarterfinal this week as West well. West Ham, yes. Yeah, interesting times. And obviously they've picked up another, another injury today as well with Gravenberg, but... Newcastle starting to get players back where you think they are and then they pick up more injuries. Oh, yeah, because Cher went <laughs> off injured. Joe Linton had a hamstring problem. Yeah, and they're both going to be big losses. Um, you know, Cher, I think, has really excelled under Eddie Howe and obviously Joe Linton has been transformed, has become the heartbeat of the team. So it never rains, but it pours up on the northeast. Uh, it doesn't actually rain that much up there. It rains more here. <laughs> Trust me. You'll see that tomorrow when you wake up. Definitely going to rain. It hasn't rained today, so it must rain tomorrow. <laughs> Um, Anthony Gordon hitting the underside of the bar also in that game. Uh, let's move on to some more of Saturday's action, including Chelsea getting a rare victory at home. Wow. So you and I were both lucky enough, or unlucky enough, uh, to watch 90 minutes of Chelsea <laughs> versus Sheffield United. And look, it was a backs-to-the-wall job by Sheffield United in the first half, and they, they sat behind the ball. But ultimately, Chelsea did have did have enough to break them open. And the key that unlocked the door was Cole Palmer. Yeah, brilliant. And, you know, we've been talking about Man City, lack of creativity maybe without De Bruyne and without Gundogan. I wonder if Pep Guardiola might live to rue letting him go because I think he's been terrific for Chelsea. Do you think he does any regret? He doesn't really do that, does he? He's, not, he's never going to tell you that he regrets. No, 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 he won't. No, so we'll never know. But I think Cole Palmer's gone there with a point to prove. I think he's a really talented footballer. He was involved in both goals. I think him and Conor Gallagher probably were Chelsea's standout performers. But it wasn't a great game. It was the night after the Talksport Christmas party that I wasn't <laughs> that I wasn't going to go to. You did go to. Then I did, and you I didn't tell me about it. And I enjoyed myself. And I didn't go. So did Ray Parler. And you were really hungover. <laughs> I don't think that the game, certainly the first half, did much to cure our hangovers. But they got the job done, Chelsea, and it felt like quite a significant win from Rizzo Pochettino because if they'd not beaten Sheffield United at home. I think some Chelsea fans may have turned. Uh, Palmer, we talked about his his contribution. You just need the eye test to be able to see how good he is. But he's been involved in 13 goals in 19 appearances for Chelsea. Very good. Which is some some statistic for for a lad that's just come into the group and has you know probably thought he might have to establish himself in the team. But he, he was he was he was he's been better than that. He's slipped in seamlessly. They enjoyed 80 percent possession in the first half. Didn't have too many efforts on on goal. Sheffield United under Chris Wilder. I mean, you could understand what they were trying to do, but I think he was pretty open and honest afterwards when he said that there's a degree of naivety about mm. the group. Yeah, they, they don't look like a Premier League team, and you wonder what assurances Wilder's been given for January because I think unless they can bring in some Premier League pedigree, I think it's going to be very difficult for him to keep them up. They did have one big moment in the first half when when Bogle put the cross along the six yard line. Had there been a red and white shirt to tap that in, again, it would have changed the dynamics of the game. They have improved, I think, under Wilder. They look a little bit more organised. They're playing with a bit more identity, I think, than maybe they had under Paul Heckingbottom. But as I say, it's still difficult to make a case for them staying up. 
Uh, Burnley nil, Everton two. Uh, what's this game? I thought Everton were really good right from the very off. They really took it to to Burnley, as you would probably expect for Sean Dyche going back to Turf Moor for the first time. He got a standing ovation as soon as he had turned up. Uh, but Vincent Company is struggling a little bit, I think. I mean, we've we've mentioned this quite a lot that you know there's a lot of talk about his project and his style of play and the way that they've all bought into his sort of mode of football, but it's really not working. I mean, no. it simply is not working and they are going to go down unless they change the way they approach things. Difficult to do when you've got a group of players that have been hired to play in a particular system, but yeah, I, I think they're going to, I mean, they're going to go down and go down quickly, aren't they? They'll be down by March, I think, the way they're playing and I felt a bit sorry for the goalkeeper, actually, because he made all those saves against Brighton. He made oh. a couple of excellent saves in this game and then... Wasn't Shea given brilliant on match of the day, by the way? like analysing his performance mm. and why he had a problem with the, the corner. Yeah, he said he he, he jumped on uh, one foot, one, one foot no, instead of two. He jumped on two, foot in, two feet instead of one because on one you get higher, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and I think if you go back and analyse the, the, the goal that uh, Arsenal scored against St. Gabriel, I think it was, stood in front of him a corner, the goalkeeper doesn't really get high off the ground, he heads it in. So it's obviously a weak point, but he's a young player, he will improve. It was a gamble, uh, I think, when Burnley signed him, but he, he's, he's not their main problem. Their main problem is that the forward players that they've signed aren't scoring any goals. Defensively, they give away too many chances. And yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that more questions aren't being asked about Vincent Company. I know he did a great job last season, but surely that credit only gets you so far. They're just not good enough, Burnley. Yeah, and they are, spent money in the summer. Yeah, they did. And are they actually just thinking about long-term success rather than short-term gain? Because you could end up throwing the baby out with a bathwater and going for a completely different system, as I suggested. You know, if they don't do it, they're going to go down. But actually, maybe they will go down, they'll hone it again, they'll come back up and then they'll tweak it slightly more. Those players will be a little bit more experienced. I'm not saying that's exactly how it's going to work, but that's a possibility that might be in their thinking. And if they've got long-term patient owners with a clear vision and they've really bought into his philosophy, then maybe that is the best way to go forward. Well, they did that before, didn't they? With Sean Dyche went down into the championship, stuck with him and he got them back up. But I think we need to give Sean Dyche an awful lot of credit as well. I wasn't surprised that Everton won that game. I think they were one of the, the, the bets of the weekend, really, because they are in such a good vein of form that they're not conceding goals. They're taking their opportunities. And actually, I saw a tweet from an Everton fan suggesting that they haven't wiped out their 10-point deduction because they're still 10 points worse off than they feel they should be. But it really has galvanised them, hasn't it? That punishment they've had from the Premier League. They've been on a brilliant run ever since. And you have to credit the manager for picking his dressing room up and creating that siege mentality. He'll get manager of the year if they're finishing the top half with 10 points for Dante, won't he? Yeah, it'd be a brilliant achievement. And I mean, they're in no danger of going down, are they, Everton? In fact, obviously, the Luton game needs to be replayed so that there will be a game in hand there. But it's hard to make a case for any of the three promoted teams staying up at this moment in time. And even though Wolverhampton Wanderers have slipped a little further this weekend and Nottingham Forest have slipped a little bit this weekend there's still a little gap isn't there mm. between those bottom three and fourth from bottom side so look I think Christmas is always a defining period because it's so many games in such quick succession so I think we'll have a better idea about what's going to happen by the time we get to the middle of January but it's going to make the January transfer window quite yeah, interesting as well past Wigan, you think that's possible? Yeah, I think that'll be okay right, yeah. Yeah. but Hoyland might even score then West Ham uh, beat Wolves Three brilliant goals on the counter-attack. That's counter-attacking football at its very best. And Pakatar was certainly at the heart of all three. He got three assists 
And listen, he, he his passing was just perfect. Mm. Yeah, uh, he's a player. I mean, you can see why Man City had him in their sights. And, you know, he could have sulked after that because obviously you've got this betting investigation allegation that's still hanging over his head. He's missed out on his dream move because my understanding it was is that it was pretty much a done deal that he would join City. West Ham were, were, were geared up for that as well. But the way that he's dusted himself down and, and become a real leader in that team, kudos as well. I mean, you look at Anthony, who obviously came from the same club as Kudus, and you do wonder, did Eric Ten Hag go back and sign the wrong winger? Because he's he's got the end product that Anthony hasn't shown so far in his Premier League career. And that was a, a big win for West Ham because obviously that they've struggled at times coming off the back of European games to to pick up points in the Premier League. They're eighth in the table. They're, they're in the last 16 of the Europa League. You, you have to say that's a, that's a good first half of the season for David Moyes. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers had scored in the previous 17 games in all competitions. The last time they'd failed to score was on the opening night of the season when they were robbed uh, at Old Trafford. Um, but West Ham United were uh, their undoing, as they often are, as many teams are when they go to the capital. I know you don't like going to certain places or certain places don't like hosting you. <laughs> There's certain cities that you are a bit afraid of, you don't like very much. You won't go to the toilet in them just in case you're scared. Um, but Wolves don't like London. They hate London. Uh, their last 14 trips to London in the Premier League, they haven't won any of them. Um, so and they've got Brentford in the FA Cup. <laughs> That's going to be a problem for them as well. Uh, yeah, so they've had another bad day. Uh, down. And they had the goal disallowed as well. VAR, did you see it? was it? tight. It was very tight. I mean, I'm not convinced it was necessarily offside. Tight? I mean, I, honestly, it was like the tip of the, sh- the shoe lever right at the front of someone's boot. And you just thought, It's not what Seriously? VAR is supposed to be. But I don't think it would have changed the outcome. I, th- I think West Ham would have had too much. But it was at the point where it was 2-0. Two two it would have gone 2-1. It might have changed the outcome. Yeah, I'm not convinced. I think West Ham were better. And I think Gary O'Neill admit that. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see what happens with them. Um, have we mentioned Aston Villa? No. Yeah, we? Yeah. we should mention Aston Villa because, again, they You never have... give them enough credit, do you? Well, apparently I don't. But this is not... I didn't do the running order tonight. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm giving them the credit. I'm, it's not even in the running order, but I'm bringing it up because I want to give them credit because they once again... Um, I think it's nine victories in the last 12 Premier League games now, in all, you know, home or away. So, they've done very well, uh, all told now. And Brentford, I think, did suffer after the sending off to Ben Mee. And it was a sending off. And I, mm. I know Thomas Frank wasn't happy about it at the time, but I think on review, when he sees it, he'll realise it was very similar to the Basuma one on Friday night, I thought, in terms of yeah. level of contact, speed at the time. And you look at the real-time pictures and you think, red card, it was very high. Yeah, and it's disappointing because he's such an experienced player, Ben Mee. And I think you're right. I think without that... Brentford might have been capable of holding on for a point, but their loss was Aston Villa's gain. Ollie Watkins coming back to haunt his old club. Got some stick, it seems, from one supporter behind the goal. I don't understand that. You know, this is a player who's come from the EFL, gone to Brentford, done very well. They've sold him for a handsome fee. He's conducted himself brilliantly. He's a good lad. He's gone on to play for England. They should be proud of that, Brentford. They shouldn't be hammering him on his return. And do you know what? It was just one fan, yeah. I think. Yeah, but do you know what? Good on him. Good on him for standing up to that one fan because I think it's a disgrace. Yeah, it was a little bit unnecessary. And actually, Thomas Frank said in his, he, he actually went to him and said to him, Why did you do that? And he explained it to mm. him. And he said, like, you know, They're still on texting terms, apparently, and speak quite a lot. And he said, You know, and then Thomas Frank came out and said, He's a man of integrity. I didn't understand it. You'll have to ask him about it. I'm not going to get involved in it. 
but usually I would trust what he is saying. So, you know, fair play. Thomas Frank's very good at sort of being diplomatic. I was probably happy that he didn't have to talk about the Ben Mee sending off too much because of yeah. that incident that happened uh, right at the very end. But it was a late goal. It was a late goal, a late winner, and it all did kick off. It went a little bit crazy in that game, didn't it? There was a, a couple yeah, of Emmy Martinez stars. up to his Emmy, dark arts. Well, Neil Mopay and Emmy Martinez. I mean, <laughs> if you could have picked two blokes to be involved in some sort of scuffle or a bit of uh, housery, it probably would be those two. Yeah, absolutely. They could start a fight in an empty room, either of them. But um, yeah, you're right to mention Villa's away form because we've given them a lot of praise for their home form. The away form at times this season has been a little bit debatable, but they seem to have sorted that out. And you have to give them credit. They're hanging in there. I, I don't see them as title contenders. We asked the question last week, but that is the mark of a good side who can go to a place like Brentford and, and maybe not be brilliant and, and still find a way to win the game. Yeah, actually, it's 10 wins in the last 13 Premier League. Brilliant games. record. Um, and quote of the week goes to Unai Emery, who did say about Emmy, uh, Emmy Martinez, <laughs> he is a mature and sensible character. So at this point, we roll in that picture of him Almost a year ago to the day, in actual fact, <laughs> since he was uh, making a fake penis <laughs> out of a trophy. Mature and sensible. Uh, he'd probably be quite good on this sofa, to be fair. Um, the other stat of the weekend uh, was the Bryson stat, wasn't it? That was the best one uh, of the whole weekend. Because um, <laughs> I mentioned this on the Sunday session. They changed their goalkeeper again today, the Bruggen plate today. So Brighton have made more changes to their starting lineup than anyone else, all told, right? But they have changed their starting goalkeeper more often than this this season, more often this season, than Liverpool changed their starting goalkeeper between the years of 1970 and 1981. <laughs> that, is, that is stat of the weekend. I'm not a fan. You know, we got people at Brighton who, who say, yeah, De Zerbe, he's, he's, he's told both goalkeepers, they're fine with it. You need a number one. Teams have always had a number one. I, I don't like it. Well, we'll see what happens over the course of the uh, next few weeks and months. Uh, that's it from us. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, uh, Perry, hopefully, will be back with us soon, or Scott, one of them. You know, um, although it's I a bit did, too cosy, this. But I did enjoy cozy. it. Come and give me a cuddle. No, I don't want to cuddle you. You want to spend the night here in this little basement? Is it too late to get a train? <laughs> Quick, get an Uber. <laughs> right, that's it from us. Uh, make sure you give us a uh, review. We'd like to hear from you and keep tuning in to the Premier League All Access podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on TalkSport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 